From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, which happens to be just around the corner. It's August 18th through August 20th, and on today's show, we are joined by two incredible filmmakers from this year's program. But before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for weekly episodes where we not only interview LADFF filmmakers, we interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases, and of course, we do our patented Gimme 3 episodes as well. But today we got a hell of a treat for you to talk about their genre-bending, rebellious film, Wet Seal Cigarettes. We've got writer and director Percival Bernard, and we've got producer and star Nicholas G. Sims. Guys, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. First of all, I just want to congratulate y'all on making something really, really special. Like I can't say how much I, I love this film. It's really, <laughs> it was really a delight to watch. Oh, man. No, that's crazy to hear, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's kind of the reaction that we try to get. Just like, oh, I haven't, I haven't seen this before. I haven't heard. I haven't seen anything kind of this weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I look for, you know, something fresh. And this film is is definitely that. Percival, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about Wet Seal Cigarettes? Yeah, so... West Hill Cigarettes is basically, the idea kind of comes from the French New Wave kind of movement in the 1960s and 70s and stuff like that and how they were trying to go against the golden age era of the industry at the time, you know, which we're kind of falling back into in today's time. So mm-hmm. what, what the French wanted to do, they wanted to make actual art pieces that were rebellious against, you know, the consumerist, commercialist kind of ideas that were coming out. So going, staying true to that light, that's why it's funny when people be like, oh, it's something new, it's something fresh. It's like, all right, cool. Then we then we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. The film itself just kind of touches upon like commercialism and consumerism within society and stuff like that. Kind of like how people smoke cigarettes and, you know, we know it's bad for you, but it's back then it was marketed to, to uh, children. Hence why we got that, that kind of little piece at the ending, you know, with the animation and stuff like that. The main force behind the film and just writing the film, what I had in mind for it was to uh, kind of set up this universe, this kind of atmosphere, which most of the things that I write kind of operates in. Because whenever my other characters from my other scripts are smoking cigarettes, they're smoking wet seal cigarettes. <laughs> Ideas. I was thinking to myself, all right, what can we do to kind of show the different kind of tones and the different kind of ideas and genres that we can encompass the later stuff in and still have this contingent kind of idea going that people would be excited to see more of. And, you know, you mentioned you're tackling consumerism in society, which is not something we see a whole lot of in cinema, despite the fact that it seems to be the road that leads to uh, so many problems that we're dealing with exactly. as, as a society. It's messed up because um, really now you have these kind of cookie cutter 
things by cookie cutter pieces of art, kind of cookie cutter products for people, for the fact that, you know, like uh, most of the big budget films are made available for everybody. Everybody can go see it. Now we're not thinking about the art no more. We're we're thinking about how much money we can put in our pockets off merchandising and off advertising and that stuff like that, you know, because the bigger the budget, kind of the harder it is to get certain ideas across because now you're reaching such a mainstream, broad audience that everybody is not going to, you know, get the same thing from the piece. So it's just easier to make something so general and so cookie cutter, one size fits all for everyone. And that's kind of the opposite of what we try to do with the film to kind of show what our image and our identity is about. It's especially for like when creating stories for African-American or under, you know, represented communities is trying to create stories that we don't normally see these group of people in. We don't normally see Black people at the cafe speaking French, you know, all that type of stuff. So, you know, it's funny. I uh, I looked up an interview, like a news interview with you guys, and I, I clicked on the video. And before the video, there was an ad of a Black man advertising a chicken sandwich. And he was describing how he wished his friend could be with him to enjoy this chicken sandwich, but his friend died. And then so they show like how the friend died and it was like all very kind of like humorous and cheeky. But the tagline at the end of the ad was said, don't die before you try this hot chicken sandwich. And I was like, God damn it. That doesn't summarize the theme of your film. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That is, is pretty, that's pretty much encompasses it so when people you know watch it and the realization kind of comes on at the end and you start to kind of get this idea of this commercialized world and you start to think what is this kind of programming that i'm living in Mm -hmm. you know like it's everything's pretty much programming everything's that algorithms especially in the you know film industry they understand what kind of films are going to get people to watch it not necessarily enjoy it but to watch it and then what kind of films is going to get people to watch it than buy the toy afterward? There, there's a reason why certain movies are released by like Christmas time and stuff like that, yeah. which is ironic because at the time that we were filming in December, that's when most of the advertisements are like being ran, especially that. And that's when most of the blockbuster movies are coming out. It's kind of just interesting to see. Nicholas, I want to talk uh, a little bit about your your performance, which was terrific and a really nuanced performance. Talk to us a little bit about channeling Nicholas Bordeaux, the character in the film. Oof. Honestly, around the time, it was so easy for me to kind of tap into that character just because like you know, being a producer on the project was so chaotic and everything surrounding the project was just so chaotic. So like each and every single day, I basically woke up in this chaotic mindset. And, and you know what I'm saying? For most of my roles, you know, I don't necessarily have a specific method, but I channel in sometimes Meisner and I channel in sometimes Stanislavski, depending on the role. And this role, I felt like I had to fully immerse myself physically and spiritually, like outside of the project and inside of the project. Um, 
And so with that being said, like with everything going on and me having like to put together everything and, you know, um, help my producing partners just put together everything. And, you know, um, I I had the only vehicle on set, so I would have to like bring around equipment with me and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, like it was crazy. Like I would have to be an actor, but at the same time, I had to serve as a producer. And I feel like that describes like Nicholas Bordo to the T because he has no peace in this story. Mm -hmm. And he's like so like uh, he's surrounded by all of these things that's going on. Like people are trying to suck him in to do this and try to do that. And I really felt like, you know, saying because I don't want to give the story away, but like near the end, that's why you see you know, him transform and and mold into this uh, other human being, basically, pretty much. But I just kind of just immersed myself into this fantasy world that Percy, like Percy created. And it was just like, in in my my head, I felt like it was so clever just because it, it was so easy to play into. I mean, I feel like he writes such stories that are fully, like, really honestly easy to just like immerse yourself in. In my opinion, like, it was kind of just easy for me to prep for it just because he made this world just, you, you could play off of so many different things. At times, I felt myself really like being like, yo, I, I woke up as Nicholas Bordeaux this morning. Like, what what the fuck? Like, because, I mean, at, at some point in time, we, like, everybody's like Nicholas Bordeaux at some point in time. Because, like, the stuff that we're fed each and every single day as consumers, you know, sometimes it does get to be a little bit too much. And I think throughout the story, I made such realizations and connected that with my own life to the point it was really easy to portray that on screen. Absolutely. I mean, I certainly relate to Nicholas Bordeaux as well. And not just because my name is Nicholas, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like as, as, as we talked about earlier, it's like, and now especially with uh, social media, you know, the targeted ads or, you know, like they know exactly what to sell you based off of like what you've looked at in the past and all this kind of stuff. So it's like the temptations are there, you know, everywhere you turn, you know, there's that really beautiful moment in the film where you for a moment are able to kind of like escape and go introspective. And that's like the only time the film is in color and you're you're having this serene moment and then yeah. bang, you get pulled out again. Right. He has no peace ever. And I, I think it's funny because me and Percy was talking about it. Uh, we were talking about how even in the color, even while he's getting his haircut and he's going bald, he's still being offered a cigarette. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? In his own world, because like in the black and white, that's not really his world. He's being drawn into a consumer's world, but then you, he's in color and this is his world. This is his piece and this is his space. And even in his own space, he still doesn't have peace. (laughs) He's still being offered the cigarette. And I think that is so crazy. Yeah, that's crazy and pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it just like goes to show you like like how, how much like this like this world can really affect you and your 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 inner space and also mm-hmm. in your outer space. So it's just like it just shows like different different depths of uh, consumerism on like a larger scale, in my opinion. And 
how hard it really is to be an individualist, especially in the times we are in now. Speaking of scary, I want to uh, talk about the character design for these these cops. Uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah. brilliant, brilliant, funny, but, you know, also does add kind of a horrific element to them, which, you know, for anybody, especially people who of color who who had bad experiences with cops, it was a very apt creative uh, to, to, uh, for sure. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about coming up with the concept for, for those guys' looks. Um, honestly, in my head, I was thinking like French New Wave stuff. At the mm-hmm. same time, I was also thinking about like this kind of this like cartoony world, but in like, like, like you said, like, like a creepy way. It's kind of like exactly what, what you're saying. I remember I, when, when, when the film got, when we finished the film, showed a few people, you know, just gets a little bit of feedback. I mean, I, I, I was getting calls from people who were like, are you like serious? Like, is this like a satire? Is this like, it's brilliant because you really don't know if right. I'm being serious or not. And that's kind of how I believe it. You know what I'm saying? So it's funny. The, and the funny thing about the pig cops is because we had to have permits to film with police uniforms on. But the police just think that we got some guys in some uniforms. So <laughs> right. We're part, they're part of the corner. I'm like, all right, we're ready for the pig cops. And they start to <laughs> walk. And the look on the real police officer's face when they see these pigs and uh, these actual pig-nosed guys in these u- uniforms, I'm like, oh, we're about to get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> down. Oh man. But luckily they didn't shut us down and we got some good shots. But um, yeah, I kind of wanted to create this hyper realistic world. And these guys are really bumbling. They're really like, you know, like illiterate. It's almost like you can't take them seriously until you have to take them seriously. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to remind people at the end of the day, like, Stuff is real out here, mm-hmm. you know. Like I'm trying to remember, like the kind of reference in my head that I had for it. I know um, it's like this. There's this like 1960s, 1970s little animation film. It's like um, called Fritz the Cat. It's like the first X-rated oh. animation. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I've seen I've seen Fritz the Cat. <laughs> yeah, and like, and that's the funny thing. I found that film after I made the film, and then I saw the police in that film because all the films are animals all the characters are animals in the film so i saw the characters the police characters in that film are pig cops so i was like all right cool i'm like all right this I, this this isn't a bad idea you know right. what i'm saying so just seeing it in in person is is really like a cool sight especially when you're having people stop traffic at green lights just to take pictures of us filming and he's like <laughs> pigs are out and about it's really cool the audience i think certainly takes away something powerful from your film but um my final question for you guys is what did y'all take away from the piece not only from the finished product but from the experience as a whole i think what i took away from this piece is that i mean everybody's not going to understand your art that can be a generalized statement like if i paint something and I put it in a museum or art museum, then, you know, somebody might look at it and be like, I don't understand what the hell he painted. 
but somebody might come up and be like, oh, I appreciate this piece of art that you put on this wall. And when, when I go back to what sells cigarettes, it's such a specific piece that a lot of people are not going to get it or they're not going to understand that. But in my opinion, and I think in Percy's opinion, I think that's okay. And what I've taken away from it is, is that like that everybody is not going to really understand what you put out and what you put out into this world. And the industry that we're in, it is commercialized. Everybody needs something. They need it like spoon fed to them, basically, pretty much. And then you have this certain audience that craves for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it gets difficult when you're, you know what I'm saying, you're a filmmaker and you do think so outside of the box and you want to keep on thinking outside of the box, but there's there's certain things that you just got to understand. Like when you're creating something new and when you're creating something that is very different and unique, you just got to continue to just like, you know, stay on that path and just believe in your art and believe in, believe in it to the point where if you people are, if you get a hundred no's and you know what I'm saying, and if people are telling you like, this is not it, you just got to keep on believing it and keep on putting out that same specific art and believing yourself. And somebody's going to appreciate it. So that's exactly it. Like um, I wrote the script in like four days and it was really me saying, all right, do not think about it. Just write it. And what naturally feels right is what we're going with. Don't sit there and watch. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm the type of person, I really don't, I watch movies, but if a movie comes out today, I'm probably not going to watch it today. I'm probably going to watch it like a couple months from now, if not like a year from now, because I try to stay un, as uninfluenced as possible, unless I'm going back in time, like, to like older films or the older foreign films, especially that's what I did with this. I had to watch like lots of 1960s, 50s, 70s French movies to kind of find my groove. I kind of wanted to write it in mind with the idea of not really people understanding it in a sense, not like trying to be like pretentious or anything like that, you know, but it was really more of like a social experiment in my head. Like, huh, all right, let's see if I can write something completely left of what everybody's expecting, what will happen. And then at, then once I wrote that and we were able to actually get funding behind it, and I'm thinking to myself, somebody read the words wet seal cigarettes and wanted to put money behind it. Now I'm unstoppable. Now... <laughs> These other ideas that I have that are even crazier, who knows? So that's a good thing. And just the main thing I took, and like just the main, main thing I took away from it is, it was like day two of filming and we were in the middle of the cafe scene. And, you know, I'm trying to get the scene together. And we had to stop because these group of kids were walking by, you know, in the middle of the shot on, on the street. And their eyes lit up. Cause they never seen anything like this. I never seen a bunch of like black young black dudes making cool stuff like this. And that let me know, okay, this is why we're doing it. This mm. is the point. So while we have this opportunity, let's make the art that has these 
people that are looking at us like like a mirror, like, okay, this this is me. Let's make this art that's representing a group of people in, in an environment, in a setting that's that they feel like is not meant for them, but is really meant for them and has always been meant for them. That's a beautiful story. And uh, it's a beautiful film. Once again, really fun, really creative, really exciting. And uh, we can't wait to share it with our audience. Wet Seal Cigarettes, everybody. Come see it at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, August 20th, as a part of the block called This Is America. Oh, shit. Uh, And tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. But when we come back, Percival, Nicholas, and I, we're going to talk some more cinema in our favorite segment. Give me three. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with E-Minutes Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are here with Percival Bernard and Nicholas G. Sims, the brilliant filmmakers behind Wet Seal Cigarettes. Right now, they're going to give us three films that have inspired their work. And Percy, let's get this first one. Um, when making Wet Seal Cigarettes, the obviously the first idea is to just go back in time to the French New Wave and um, kind of dig. You know, I mean, my one of my favorite films is La Haine. Um, also, Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini. And the last one is probably, there's this one called Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song by Melvin Van Peebles. And the reason why that's my third one is because, um, you know, my style kind of is mostly influenced by the French New Wave and French filmmaking, but as well as the exploitation era, which was kind of the same movement around the same time for Black people because they were tired of seeing Black people in a certain light on, in cinema. So they're like, all right, I'm, we're going to make our own genre that where we kind of take away the stereotypes and use them in our favor to actually make heroes out of our people. So those are the main ones, it's just mostly Black and white films, any Black and white films I can get my hands on. I rewatched Eight and a Half for the first time last night and I don't know, it had probably been like 10 years or something since I had seen it. So it was, it was fun to revisit it. And one of the things I loved about rewatching that in the context of your film, I think with eight and a half is like, you really get to go inside the mind of Fellini and which is, you know, like why it stands apart and was kind of like the first of its kind and and doing something like that. But I think you really did execute that so well with this film going into your mind, going into the mind of a black American, you know, being with consumerism being shoved in his face at every turn. So the similarities were there for sure. That was the main thing, really. I just wanted to build like a cohesive world, like a texture. That's why the music is a certain way. That's why everything kind of seems really um, 
comic-y and really like um, practical in a sense. And a lot of the stuff were practical is like, like for example, like the uh, police car, like the police shot with the police truck. That's a real police truck, <laughs> you know, just, just, just trying to work in the, the spontaneous kind of thing. I saw the truck and was like, all right, go, 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 go before they come back, <laughs> you know? But yeah, with eight and a half and love, hey, do you have these really tangible worlds that feel kind of untangible to the touch, if that makes sense? Like the first eight minutes of eight and a half, there's no music, there's really no talking. It's really just like a dream world and you don't understand what's going on and you're not supposed to until it's time to until it's time to. Same thing with Lahane. It's really like, almost feels like a dream. That's why in West Hill Cigarettes, Nicholas Bordeaux, it's like, this feels like a dream. But at the same time, that's also for like deeper meanings that kind of comes later in different projects, you know? But just as a director, I try to give all my cast and crew homework so they can understand what kind of subtext there is and what kind of you know aesthetic there is nicholas do you do you enjoy that as an actor getting some homework <laughs> for your role and get, getting uh, to check out some some films that, that that inspire the piece yeah i appreciate it um honestly you know what i'm saying because i'm the type of person that um when i watch a movie i don't like to imitate like certain actors i don't like to imitate actors at all but i i just like to look for the feel and tone of the film and just really kind of understand like, okay, why did um, Percy write it in this way? And why did he pick this specific genre? Um, and when I mean specific genre, I mean like the French new wave in a sense. And because like, I had never really explored the French new wave before he had like brought this to my attention. And like the first film that I watched was Lahane. And I just like how everything was executed. And I like how free the actors were, especially Vin's. Uh, the main character in that movie. He was just like really free and sometimes chaotic and sometimes really quiet. And just, I I kind of, you know what I'm saying? I kind of pulled from the tone of that movie a lot. And I didn't really use any of these nuances in a sense, but I just like really pulled from like a lot of just the feeling and tone of everything that was going on in the movie. And I kind of let that play into like the character building for Nicholas Bordeaux. Because like a, a thing I like to do is, is I, I kind of like to just like break down like my character from like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what would my character drink? What would he like uh, eat? What would he mm-hmm. listen to? Right. Like how would he feel with this certain person? Like um, if he's outside and he's sitting, is he uncomfortable? Is he like comfortable with this person or that person? What is he thinking when he's like walking on a regular day basis? Like all of that, all of that is just like, you know what I'm saying? General examples of like what I I do when I'm like literally watching these films and just trying to apply that into like my work. No, so I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think that's why your your character feels so lived in, you know, like it feels he feels like an actual person who's who's uh, who's dealing with this stuff. Right. I want it and I want it to. I want it to make Nicholas Bordo feel like everybody. And when mm-hmm. I say everybody, I mean the people that are watching. I wanted them to feel connected personally to Nicholas Bordo. I wanted them to know exactly how I was feeling in every single scene. And 
I thought about that a lot. Like, how am I going to execute this story? How am I going to execute and serve this human being the best way I can possible in this fantasy world that person will create it? And I was like, I really had to ground the performance and I had to really live and immerse myself in it. So I, I, I really was leaning on like realism, even though we were in a surrealist world, um, which is cool. And which worked really well when I was like prepping for the role. Uh, and I think, I think it turned out really, really good. Yeah. Damn, yeah. Damn right. It did. <laughs> <laughs> Those are three excellent picks. Percival Lahane and eight and a half. Those are both available on HBO max. Eight and a half, I think is also available on the criterion channel. Mm-hmm. If you all subscribe mm-hmm. to that. And then Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, also available on the Criterion channel. And on the Criterion they have the full uh, Criterion edition with uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. And there is a, there's a great, great interview with uh, Mario Van Peebles, Melvin's son, also an incredible filmmaker, and Elvis yeah. Mitchell. And they, they, they discuss that film and his father's uh, career. And it's just uh, one, of the, one of the best interviews I've seen on... Uh, Melvin's work and black exploitation genre period. So our friends at home, check that stuff out. Three great picks to accompany a, a really great film. Once again, Percival and Nicholas, congrats on the selection. Congrats on, on an amazing project. And, and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Thank man. you for having us. Wet Seal Cigarettes, once again, come see it at LADFF, the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, August 20th. It's a part of the block called This Is America. Tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. Get them today before they're gone. My friends, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.